Welcome to Inspiring Entrepreneurs Montreal, our 15th season showcasing stories from outstanding business people presented by BDO Canada. My name is Dan Delmar, along with Mike Newton of BDO. Hello, Mike. Hey, Dan. How are you? Excellent. How are you? Very good. Thank you. Some news and notes on the way. And our guest, of course, Pierre-Etienne Bousquet. He's the president and co-founder of Third Bridge. These guys were at university together about uh, just over a decade ago, and they decided to build a web and application company. And Pierre-Etienne has a really refreshing, I think, outlook, especially in the age of AI. We'll, we'll talk about that in a few minutes. Most definitely. And he's also, uh, he's, he, he's closer, close to our heart and he, they, they do a podcast with uh, thought leadership uh, elements to it as well. So it's, uh, you know, it's not, it's not all, uh, it's not all just fun and games in the tech industry. There's a little bit of uh, thought leadership and, and, and just plain old leadership here as he talks to other entrepreneurs on, on his podcast. So uh I guess we have a bit of competition, Dan, but yeah, hey, we've been around for 15 years, so you know, maybe maybe we get to hold on a little bit longer. Yeah, we'll 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 we'll, we'll throw him some shade. We'll say, you know, you got, you got a long way to go to be inspiring entrepreneurs, but it is great to see that he's uh, that he's doing podcasting, and obviously we're we're biased at TNKR because it's it's a lot of what we do is thought leadership, and we love podcasts because it's just a way to spread knowledge and to have conversations. And um, this is how people learn, right? Through 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 knowledge. And one thing that I did learn today on the show, and uh, Etienne will talk about this, is the correct way to use AI. And that comes up on on the program today. Um, if you if you're a company that does web apps and websites, a lot of clients are going to say, "Well, maybe I can do this myself, right?" Uh, I think I've I've had those moments too. Get based on ChatGPT and all this new tech that's coming. But when I started digging in, trying to make our own our own app, our own client portal. We're not there yet. It's not. It's it's going to take a while. But as Pierre Hetzin points out, there there's some value there because clients who are interested can produce their own rough drafts or at least participate in the process. And that's the real power of AI, Mike, is I think to make people who are uh, not competent in something maybe a little competent, and then people who are excellent at something amazing at something. Yeah, I, I think there's two elements here, Dan. One is, I mean, this is all we seem to hear and read, and 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 you know, this is constant AI. I think we're we're sitting in a world of massive expectation. Uh, so I think there's got to be a little, uh, you know, bring down to reality uh, for all of us. And I think the the conversation here is, is is an interesting one when you look at the fact that whether it's AI or you know, it, just the, the the creative process that that involved in a lot of businesses and you know it's it, it's very interesting there was a Harvard Business Review article uh, recently that talks about um, basically uh, why companies do innovation theater instead of actual innovation and uh, there, there's one quote in here that you know that just that made me laugh that basically says these organizations know they need to change but often the result was a form of organizational whack-a-mole which basically turns out to be what uh, we don't know what we're swatting at we don't know where it's going to pop up we don't know what's going to happen but we're going to try and do our best to to address it and in this discussion of you know coming forward on AI with a draft and and, and how you want to address things and then going to see somebody is huge you're actively involved in your own future you're not dependent on somebody driving forward what your creativity needs to be. But you also recognize that there, there's an element of, of professionalism, but there's also an element in here that this is a, a cooperative initiative. Indeed. And that's, I think, some some valuable insight that we'll get into for entrepreneurs um, is you do, you do actually still need experts to do some of this web work, this design work. 
but uh, but diving in and getting involved is a really great um, is a really great thing to do. Speaking of trends, this is also from Harvard Business Review. Nine trends that will shape work in 2024 and beyond. Um, one one thing is creative benefits to address the costs of work. Um, AI obviously is going to be um, further incorporated into into work processes. And another one here that that Harvard suggests that I know uh, you'll you'll want to comment on, Mike, is the 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 four day work week trend. We talked about this last week. Um, Dan, I'm getting Dan, I'm getting old. What do you want me to tell you? I don't know. I, uh, you know, the reality of four day work week, you know, all the stats are pushing in that direction. Um, but, uh, I guess, I, I guess I can say I need to understand if this is going to be work and going to be more effective and more efficient when it comes to production. If that's the case, then we need to embrace it. Uh, it doesn't mean I'll understand four day work weeks, but Hey, that's uh, not for me to, uh, to understand other than how do we, how do we use this properly? I mean, the article also talks a little bit about um, you know, looking at what some of the, uh, you know, the, the benefits uh, to address the costs of work. And I think what we're starting to see a lot of is, you know, the since the pandemic and since remote, all we've been hit with when people don't want to come to the office is it's a waste of time to travel. It costs me money to travel. I've got to buy lunch. Uh, I've got to park my car. So there, it's going to. We're going to continue to find, uh, you know, and, and I think we're we're in at one point, uh, you know, in, in in search of the holy grail. I think today's holy grail is the perfect hybrid strategy, and I think eventually we're 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 going to get there. I just don't know how quickly that's going to happen. But we need to find a way that the tangible and the intangible costs of returning to the office uh, and finding ways to reduce costs to attract people to come back in, in order to do it. And and you know, I I I hope it's not uh i hope it's not uh a a major recession that you know creates such a a change that people are forced to i hope we can find a way to do this in in, in a balanced approach that is a win-win for employers and for employees this article from fast company is interesting because there's been some skepticism in recent months about um, ESG, environmental social governance, as well as DEI, which kind of falls under that. Uh, so Fast Company predicts what to expect from a sustainability and social impact perspective in 2024. What do you think, Mike? Uh, is, is this going to be rolled back a little bit as well? Some cuts to be expected in, in those areas? Yeah, you know, I, I think there's a lot of people who jump on uh, the bandwagon when it comes to these things. And I hate to say it, that use these things in the wrong, which is kind of that marketing angle of things. So as we start to see costs, I mean, we're starting to see a number of organizations laying people off. At some point, uh, I guess everything is 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 on the table. Though I do think what we will see is more of a bigger focus on sustainability at at, at the Let's call it the the C-suite or the the executive level within the organizations, and and it really is has to be on on the human sustainability element of all of this, and and creating values for people as they see their need and tying them into the organization. So this sense of sustain sustainability, um, I think, probably talks to more people than uh, the environment does, and 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 I think the sense of uh, accomplishment and that vision to an end under sustainability is probably a bit easier than the the entire global environmental conversation is. And lastly, I want to um, to get a, a really fantastic guest update in on the show before we get to our guest this week. Uh, last season on the program, we had a really great suggestion from our executive producer, Marjorie, uh, to, um, to talk to uh, Franz Saint-Elemy, who's a really busy man. He's the chancellor of Université de Montréal. 
He's the head of an incubator called Group 3737. Uh, they focus on uh, black entrepreneurship. And his main gig is the head of a company called LEDAR Tech, and they do um, autonomous vehicle monitoring systems for roads. Now, back in December, LEDAR Tech announced a merger with uh, Prospector Capital Corp. Uh, out of the States, and they are a public company. They're listed on NASDAQ. And so LEDAR Tech then now becomes a public company traded under uh, LDTC on the NASDAQ stock exchange. Brian Santelami saying uh, that, uh, quote, there are very few IPOs, very few SPACs in Canada, uh, special uh, purpose acquisition companies, uh, and in the world period, he said. And uh, the National Post reports that only a handful of Canadians have gone public in 2023, many of them small mining companies. Globally, IPO proceeds are down by one third from last year, but obviously letter tech um, seeing some positive benefits from from that uh, from going public. Very interesting move there. Yeah, most definitely. I, I think you you know the SPAC component to all of this is an interesting one. Uh, for most people, it basically allows you to circumvent the IPO process, whereas you know the IPO can be very time consuming, very you know very costly. Uh, the SPAC is really already a public uh, entity. It's on a public market. It gives them quick access to funds, and in reality, the SPAC's lifespan is limited if they don't start making investments. So uh, these are the types of things that you know give people quicker access to funds uh you know again it's not the type of thing you wake up one morning and say hey i'm i'm you know i'm going to do a deal with a spac you need to have the right counsel and the right advice going in there but it is an alternative uh to quick access and for a company like lettertech uh, i mean you, the, i think the trajectory of, of where they can go is is phenomenal in the world that we're living in today uh, from certainly in you know the, the the software that they're using in the vehicle side of things with all the problems we've heard in other organizations so uh you know I, I have to assume, like anything else, sometimes you know, quicker to market is uh, is the way to go. And when you're getting involved in a SPAC situation, you are going fast. I mean, you're you're looking for that hockey stick curve growth, which is kind of what we talk about on this program today. So we we are talking with people in tech that go a little slower, that that aren't looking for the hockey stick curve growth, that develop very long, uh, long term projects with web companies and and and, and applications. So that's going to be the topic of the program today, but uh, with Third Bridge. But we wanted to just get out the the shout out there to Franz and Delamy of uh, Letter Tech, who is definitely on a hockey stick uh, trajectory at this point. I would say we probably got another episode then in the radio show there, bringing Franz back to uh, Franz is back to have this conversation about what it's like to be now be accountable under a SPAC. Indeed, that'll be very interesting if he if he has time for us. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> And let's get into our show. First, let's welcome our guest. Pierre-Etienne Bousquet is the president and co-founder of ThirdBridge. They make web platforms, websites, apps, and lots more. Pierre-Etienne, welcome to Inspiring Entrepreneurs. Thank you so much for having me. Tell me more about ThirdBridge. What makes you special? So ThirdBridge is a software development studio, um, and we really specialize in mobile. So at the core, in a nutshell, we build digital products for clients. Um, so in the client's perspective, we we are really their partner uh, that can take their ideas and transform them into ready-for-market apps uh, that can be in the hands of their customers or can be, in many cases, also in the hands of their employees. So that's the that's ThirdBridge in a nutshell. And there's a big vector as well of, of ThirdBridge uh, when you look at it uh, more internally. Uh, we are a, a, a gang of uh, passionate technophiles and uh, we're a company that focuses a lot on people um, and what we try to do with that that approach is really to have 
products that are um, appealing for humans. We're building interfaces for uh, humans, not for software. And what we try to do is really create an environment where our humans, our people within the company are able to create products that have that human touch. Uh, and that's what we really believe that makes the difference. Let's get a little techie here. Um, obviously, there's management of cloud servers, there's the development of APIs, there's data structures. You know, what, is that, what does that mean to the average user? Good question. So for the average user, it doesn't mean a lot. At the end of the day, the average user sees an interface. Uh, that user sees buttons. It downloads. The user will download an app or go to a, to a web platform to do a specific task. And our goal is for them to do that task without any instructions or guides, uh, so that it's as natural as possible. So our core is is really yes, we focus highly on on, on quality and technical stuff. Uh, but for the the end user and the average uh, consumer it really transpires into having the best user experience as possible. And that's where we we actually focus quite a bit. So not a techie answer, but a real answer where it's it's all about the experience that a customer will will actually have. You caught me off guard. I, I figured you would take it and run it into a techie side. So maybe give us a little bit of behind the scenes in terms of what that means, uh, the infrastructure that you're building, what you're trying to create behind the scenes, as well as just what the, uh, what the individual users are seeing. So at ThirdBridge, we have a... I mean, we're about 55 people. Uh, off of these 55 individuals, I would say probably 40 are software engineers. Uh, so there's a lot of, of technology happening behind the scenes. So it's going to be, you know, uh, a lot of, yes, uh, backend development, infrastructure, um, interface building. But at the core, we're not, we don't have PhDs within the company. We don't have people that are going to create uh, really... For example, AI. We're not going to create models. Uh, we're gonna not going to do uh, machine learning uh, from scratch. But we're going to use a lot of the tools out there. So at the core, we're really engineers. We're using tools to build uh, products, and we're going to use everything at our dis disposal to create the best the best product. So, yes, APIs, infrastructure. We're we're um, heavily involved in in Amazon's uh, infrastructure, but we're going to use whatever the customer will take us. And that's probably a big challenge for us, uh, trying to work with many different clients. We're going to work with large institutional clients and we're going to work with startups. It's not the same approach uh, at all. They don't want to use the same tools. They don't want to use the same, the same tech stack. Uh, and so we need to be able to respond to any demand. And that that's really challenging for the team. Are you doing any data migration as well for clients? Not really, no. It's in speaking of AI, you know, a lot of people in the content side, you know, we're not infrastructure people. We don't, we're not good at the technical aspect, but we're wondering, you know, one day can we make our own apps and platforms with AI? But we, we're a far, we're a far cry away from that, right? I mean, I was playing around with it myself and I was like, nope, <laughs> still, still need some pros for that. Yes, that's a that's a great point. But you know what? We're seeing more and more clients coming to us with prototypes uh, that we, they were able to build themselves, and and that's really interesting to see. Um, it's it's even you know more accessible than ever with with platforms like OpenAI that are able to to provide pretty simple to use APIs. So for people that are actually a bit curious, they're able to to do quite a bit. And at the end of the day, yes, we're still we're still relevant. You still need that that human touch, and that's why we're we're, we're we still have our jobs. Um, but we're not taking it for granted. It's evolving quite fast, and we need to pick up whatever tool that we can use AI tool a lot in our processes 
to become faster and more relevant. So uh, even though, yes, we're not building apps from scratch uh, through drag and drop, um, but low code is something that that's trending really high so that we're able to actually create uh, digital products even faster than ever. Mike, that's an important point I want to pick up on because a lot of people are asking themselves, you know, what uh, can AI do for us in terms of our websites or communications? And I like uh, Peretien's idea that some customers who are a bit tech savvy are coming to him with rough drafts, essentially a first draft, which I think is accurate to what I'm seeing on the ground. Like a lot of people cannot deploy significant, sophisticated websites and apps immediately through AI. But having that that ability to do a first draft or get involved in the process a bit closer that's that's a really interesting innovation for for AI and helps bridge that gap between the owners and the marketers. Yeah, it's very interesting. It, it also brings me to another question, and, and it's an interesting. I think AI has been the topic of anything and everything you pick your pick up lately. Um, I've been reading also that this this appears to be uh, we may be at the peak of inflated expectations of what AI is going to do for us. Uh, we all have this like this mind-blowing picture of what AI is going to do, but we haven't really figured out exactly uh, how to implement it and how to use it. And, and you know, there's people that are saying that we've gone to the peak in terms of what that expectation is. And now we're going to have a two, three, four-year period where there's these inflated expectations of what it's going to do for us. And how, Pierre, it's in, how does that work its way back to when people come to you? I mean, are they coming to you and say, AI is going to solve all our problems, fix it for us? And do you have to bring them back down to earth? It's, it's not so bad. Uh, I, I do understand your point, but it's not so bad. So we're, we're usually trying to tackle um, one issue at a time. So usually our clients, we don't have a whole lot of clients and that's, that's something that's important for us. We're looking for high quality, low volume in terms of projects. So we have long-term relationships with our customers. And now what we're, we're trying to do or what actually they're coming to us with some ideas, but it's really specific. It's going to be, you know, I'm wasting a bunch of time doing this uh, mundane task or repeated task. How can we automize it? How can we uh, optimize it with AI? How can AI can can support me doing this task or or improve the 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 product specifically? So we're seeing a lot of that. For sure, you you have those 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 new leads that come in and it's it's hey, I want to use AI for this and that and and it's it's always funny because we see those trends uh, coming and going. You know, it was like hey, we want the the you know whether it was at the moment that the new tinder flow where it was like you know you you swipe oh i want to swipe but for to shop for clothes i want to swipe for this and that and then you had the the big phase recently also for decentralized apps so hey we want something on the blockchain and and then it's blank okay why you know what's the purpose what's what's going to be the end goal here that was going to be the appeal of decentralizing your platform and uh, and in many cases, it, it it was not a good use case. Same goes for AI. So we do see a lot of these new left field ideas of just, I want to use AI for this, AI for that. It doesn't apply. But in our day to day, usually the ideas, they come uh, really tangible and we're able to transform them into uh, applicable AI uh, features. And it, they're really powerful. But I think, Pierre, it's, and I think part of that is a function of the client base that you have. I mean, you're like you mentioned a few minutes ago, you're looking at the, the bigger projects, the more sophisticated, obviously with the more sophisticated mandates comes a more sophisticated understanding of the technology and the use and, and, and what's there. Was that, was that a choice from the beginning in your part to look at sophisticated higher level or did like everybody else you start with whatever you get your hands on and then it evolved to that? 
yeah, no, it started uh, it started with whatever we could put our, our hands on. So it's been 12 years. So when when we started, we were we were kids, and uh, you know, it could be a, a website for a restaurant, or <laughs> it, it was nightclub apps, and it, it was a bit of everything. But uh, as we as we grew, the vision really started to be to become clearer and clearer, and we we actually focused quite a bit on uh on quality uh, so either big large clients or startups startups that need good powerful products for their businesses so these are two segments our guest is pierre etienne bousquet president and co-founder of third bridge they're a web and app company um, they build these platforms from scratch and pierre etienne and his partners got together in university and um, that was what pierre etienne uh, 12 13 years ago yeah 12 years ago wow congratulations time, time flies yes thank you Indeed. And uh, so you guys are taking a leadership role here. We talked about AI a little bit. You know, I think it's really interesting that you're you're not against it and you're not sort of trying to scare people to say that, you know, you shouldn't use AI. But of course, uh, that AI can't do everything for, for, for people. Um, the leaders have to actually do a lot of the heavy lifting. And so I want to talk about marketing a little bit here and thought leadership because we do podcasting, obviously, with, with this radio show. And we're a huge fan of it as a marketing vehicle, as a way to share your knowledge, to distinguish yourself from your competitors, um, and to basically start conversations in the industry. So well, tell me about your adventures in podcasting and um, what you hope to accomplish there. Yes. So it's it's a fairly new adventure for us, um, podcasting. We had a... Um, actually, the idea really came as, as a marketing uh, approach, but it really turned into trying to make uh, relevant content, uh, thought leadership content, where... Um, Third Bridge is a company, like I said previously, we don't have a lot of clients and, and that's by design. Uh, but the downside of that is that uh, not a lot of people know about us. Not a lot of people know that we are this company that can build high-end platform, really complex platforms. And so usually, you know, it could be um, invites for the for Appel d'offre uh, that were we were never invited because nobody knew about us. Um, and so we we needed to start making a, a statement and really being present in the scene of the agencies in Montreal that that are building technology. And so the podcast came about, and now we're having a lot of fun with it, and we're having amazing guests, really thought leaders, and and not only in technology. Actually, we're trying to leverage our clients that we're seeing, you know, what they're doing on their end. Um, we're going to try to have Kushtal. We have we're going to have financial people, people in the in the prop tech, uh, that explain a bit how they how they've come about to invest in technology. What's their vision? And usually, it's it's really interesting because they are the pioneers in their industries uh, of you know thinking at the forefront of what tool can we build because what we do our work is building custom apps. So. It's something that has never been done before for a specific client. And that's where, you know, if it's not off the shelf, then someone needs to think about it. Someone needs to see the opportunity. And usually our clients are the people that come up with those ideas and those issues. And they are the visionaries. Visionaries, And, um, and we're just giving them a platform where, where they're able to uh, talk about their their perspective and, and how their industry is changing and how they want to invest in tech. So... That's what we're doing with the podcast. So it's interesting because, you know, I look at, uh, I'm not going to lie, you can't see us on air, but I'm let's say I'm one generation older than Pierre Etienne. 
you know, you you get into the evolution of uh, the thought leadership. You get into how you see your generation's influence on uh, going forward. The tech, but not just technology, on people, on employment conditions. On do you touch on any of these in the podcast? Is that, I mean, are you looking at this, or is this really geared toward finance and and uh, tech? No, we, we we approach we approach it all. So we can talk a lot about uh, HR and and our reality. And we're going to bring another company in, in, in our industry, it might be a competitor, uh, and we're going to address how, you know, how do we work remotely? Uh, what's our approach towards that? What do we do for vacation policies? Do we do unlimited vacation or do we do uh, limited vacation? What are the pros and cons? And so it's really interesting to bring people that are um, either in our business to talk about what they've seen, what they've tried, and they share it on air and it's it's a long format so we're really able to dig in and that's that's what it's it's been the same for any any of our guests just being able to dig in and look at either the industry how it works and we've been talking a lot about our generational uh, issues on on turnover uh, like i said so it's um it's it's really quite interesting so if you have you solved the problem yet? Because if you have, I haven't gotten the memo. So I'm still waiting for you to figure out the remote work access and and and, and the the magic solution that we all seem to be striving for in today's world. Yeah, we're all for uh, giving the people the choice. Um, so we we gave them the option. So we have an office in Montreal, an office in Quebec City. Uh, but our policy is you choose. You can work from home. You can work from from the office. And we really try to focus on making. Uh, the situation of the office really appealing. So we're not forcing it on anyone, but we're doing, of course, the like I said, we're doing the, um, you know, the client meetings in in person here, and we're inviting the teams to to join. So we're making it fun, and and honestly, the culture has been uh, just growing and growing since we do have uh, those those places, and we do put the efforts. Uh, we have one metric that we're so proud of at Third Bridge, and it's our uh, turnover rate. It is barely zero. So we are keeping our talent. We're attracting talent, and we're keeping it. And and that's and, and that's probably our, our biggest strength. How uh, was your pandemic? And did you have a major pandemic pivot you want to share? It's been. It was interesting. So starting at uh, early pandemic, we were about ten people. At the end, we were about fifty. So we had to hire a lot of people during the pandemic. Uh, hiring remotely, we weren't geared for that. We didn't have the management in place for to support uh, that big of a team, uh, so we, we tried to take it piece by piece. But it was it was actually getting those phone calls from clients saying, "We don't want to slow down. We want to accelerate our digital transformation. We want to accelerate our investment into products, digital products." And that's what we did. So that was it was quite the jump uh, for us at that moment. But we were even though we were ten. Uh, our 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 trajectory was was quite slow and steady, and we were able to put the right foundational uh, structure for for our business and to support that growth. We only have a couple of minutes left. What's next? Where do you guys go from here? What's your growth strategy? I mean, obviously, the only things you can share on air. We don't want to give away corporate espionage to anyone, but you know, no. what is it that you guys look uh, look to do going forward? And and you know, how does that how does that expand? Yeah. So so our our focus is really to. Um, to support better our customers. And now that we have international clients, uh, we're looking into expansion internationally. 
Um, so having a team either in the in the states, having a team in Europe. Um, next week, I'm, I'm heading to to Poland to to look at supporting a client in Europe and and how we're going to do that. Uh, it's going to bring a lot of changes for us, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be quite exciting. So increasing the team, we're aiming our our, our target for for three years is is doubling uh, the business. So that is our aim. That is our goal. And how do you think that's going to is that is that a is that a team decision? I mean, do you do you look at these things and go, hey, as a team, we're deciding we want to double uh in the more traditional road, or is this a more of a strategic environment at the upper C suite level within the organization? No, it's a mix. For sure, we're we're looking to have the buy-in of of every everyone in the team. It's not possible, but uh there are a lot of people involved in those decisions. Uh I think it's both strategically, um, in terms of you know keeping our talent is the number one and if we're not growing then we're we're dying so we we need we need to keep scaling we need to track those challenges for the team uh, those you know nail nail biting projects where they they re, they're really able to dig in those issues and and learn new technologies and to do that to bring those projects to the table we we need to scale we need to be able to work with uh, more um more significant clients and and really go seek uh those challenges for the team so growth was 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 sort of a consequence of trying to keep our our culture alive our talent motivated and uh, that's that was primarily primarily the the argument for us to grow I love the statement with, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. And I, and I think that's a world we live in today. It used to be, you know, we used to feel like status quo, we could get away with status quo is going backwards, I think, in, in today's world, and certainly in the technology world and the in the space you guys are in. Absolutely. Uh, and, and we see it, right? We, we have a young team, they are passionate. But whenever it slows down too much, uh, they start they start getting bored and uh, and and we understand that they they're looking for challenge uh, challenges and they're looking to um, to be motivated so that's that's what we're trying to, to 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 reach with that that target of growing the business and as of now we have we have their buy-in um, everybody around the table everybody in the team they're looking forward to it they are excited with this vision and also it's it's we're we're putting in place a a path for organic growth. So we're not looking for acquisitions. We're not looking to to, to do mergers. We want to do it ourselves. Uh, we want to make sure that the culture is really, really strong and in place and make sure that, again, management is, is, uh, is strong and that we're not growing too fast. We'll have Pierre Etienne's one piece of advice for inspiring entrepreneurs on the way, the president and co-founder of Third Bridge. But first, let's check in with our BDO specialist. Carlo Lupo is tax partner at BDO Canada. Thanks, Carlo. Welcome back. Thank you, Dan, for having me again. And Mike, conveniently, uh, we have a company, Third Bridge, that makes web applications. So if a company if a, wants to get a government tax credit for e-businesses, they, they might be able to subsidize the costs of some of these these projects. One of the reasons that uh, you know we brought Carlo on today is these e-business tax credits uh, are, you know certainly have a place in the certain in, in, in many businesses and I think Carlo this is uh, right up your alley so I'm not going to steal any thunder and make myself sound like I don't know what I'm talking about. It's all yours. Thank you Mike. Um, no, it was a very interesting uh, presentation and uh, the things that kept coming into my mind were uh, e-business credits and and uh, scientific research and development but I'd like to take more time and focus really on the e-business part. Um, in French, this is CDAE. That's how we typically refer to it uh, internally. In French, it's called le crédit d'impôt pour le développement d'affaires électroniques. It's a wonderful tax credit 
especially for businesses that may not necessarily qualify for R&D. Um, this really targets IT type companies, tech companies, and incentivizes them to develop um, and sell software services or software licenses. Um, one of the criteria that these companies and IT must uh, abide by is, is that 75% of their revenues or more must be related to IT. So selling services uh, and selling licenses. The wonderful part about it is that the credit is up to $25,000 per employee. The 75% of the employee's time must be dedicated to the e-business activity. And the credit is split in two components. So I said it's 25, but 20 is refundable. 5,000 is non-refundable. And it works out in, in a way that mathematically it's a 24% credit that you get right away and a 6% credit that's sort of dangled as a carrot in front of the business as, a, as an incentive to keep it going and doing more e-business development activities. So that 6% that's sort of dangling will get refunded in the future in the year where they continue on doing e-business activities. Um, and sort of the e-business activities that uh, business can carry out were some of the some of the items that um, uh, were, were spoken about in the prior segments, which is uh, design and development of e-commerce um, uh, platforms where monetary exchanges are, are, are uh, being transacted on, development of security and identification services, including electronic imaging, AI and interface uh, applications. And that, that's one of the nice things um, that's going on right now as we hear all of this AI development that's happening um, in, in industry and, and um, in society. So a lot of these businesses that are carrying out these activities should consult with a specialist and make a determination whether these salaries and activities could qualify for uh, CDAE or uh, e-business credits. The only thing I really want to mention with regards to R&D is simply take a look very carefully which credits are better because something may qualify for CDAE but may not necessarily qualify for R&D and vice versa. So before you make a determination, seek uh, consulting to make a determination of which credit is better and go for broke, get the better credit out of the two. I love you tax guys and your acronyms. So uh, your R&D, I'm going to throw in SHRED, which is the discussion of R&D. The only quick question I have for you on this is the SHRED process, it requires quite a bit of work and, and, and quite a bit of back. Do you need to do the, sh uh, the SHRED in order to claim the e-business credit or are they two separate processes? Two separate things. R&D or SHRED is administered by CRA. You have to complete a whole technical report and analysis to make a determination of whether that activity is eligible or not. In the case of the CDAE or e-business credit, you need to submit an application with uh, Investissement Quebec. They'll review the program and activities, and then they'll make a determination and um, issue you uh, an attestation, a certification that says, yes, you're carrying out eligible activities, and then therefore your employee salaries would be eligible for uh, the credit. I'm going to keep going with the acronyms, RRSP, RESP, TSFA, go, Carly. you got about 45 seconds left. <laughs> so just to uh, remind everyone out there listening that um, uh, RSP season is ahead of us, uh, because this year is a leap year, the deadline to contribute to your 2023 RSP is not March 1st, it is February 29th. Be very careful. If you contribute on the wrong day, it will go towards next year. So consider that top up, Make get your deduction and tax savings. TFSA, 
wonderful program contribution limit this year um it increased by another five hundred dollars every year it's being indexed and a minimum five hundred dollar increase um if i'm not mistaken it's um seven thousand uh, dollar contribution limit this year so if you've already maxed out your rsp or don't have a benefit from it put it in your tfsa it's tax free as you're generating income in that and for your kids think of your kids the cost rising costs of uh, tuition universities um, RESPs, registered education savings plans are fantastic to put money away for your kids, earn it um, tax free, get government grants, 10% from federal, 5% from Quebec on $5,000 contribution. All of these things are very wonderful. I, I strongly encourage you to consider them and, and speak to a specialist to guide you through the process. Carlo Lupo, tax partner at BDO Canada. Thanks so much, Carlo. Always a pleasure, Dan. As we come to the end of the show, let's ask our entrepreneur, Pierre-Etienne Bousquet, president and co-founder of Third Bridge, for his one piece of advice for inspiring entrepreneurs. Pierre-Etienne, what do you think? Yes, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thought. And, and for sure, the, the first advice that come to mind is around, you know, you, you have to risk it. No, no risk, no glory. Um, but the advice that I really want to push is, is something that we learned and that, that I heard from uh, Dave Packard from HP is, is about slow growth. Um, we hear a lot about rapid growth and sometimes I see a lot of young entrepreneurs that, you know, attach rapid growth as the primarily objective uh, for their business. And it's actually something that was not true for us and it's not true for, for many businesses. So, um, probably my, my one piece of advice is that the growth strategy should tie back to the vision of the company. Um, for sure, when we're looking at the, the big SaaS high tech companies, it makes sense for them to, to, to aim for hyper growth, that famous hockey stick uh, curve of growth. Uh, but in many businesses, um, it doesn't apply. And it's even though it's not as sexy, it's not, it's, it's not the, the path that a lot of people talk about. Slow growth uh, allows you to put the right management in place. It allows you to have the right culture in place. It, al it allows you to keep the hand on, on the steering wheel of your company. Rapid growth on the opposite hand comes with a lot of sacrifices. Uh, you need external funds, uh, you lose a bit of control, it's profit-oriented, and uh, it has a lot of downsides, downsides. So something to think about is, is what is your vision and what growth strategy should you put in place? Mike, that's a great message. And we don't hear a lot of entrepreneurs say slow growth, but especially if you are on the creative side or if you do things that other people do and you have to to wait to, 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 for people to, to learn about your talent and, and what makes you different. For those kinds of companies like Third Bridge, uh, slow growth makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's very interesting to hear that coming from the tech sector, right? Traditionally, we've always thought of the tech sector as being the hockey stick growth and and, and take it as far as you can. You know, you combine that statement, Pierre, it's in with the comment you made earlier about if you're not growing, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. And, and I got to tell you, you know what, I, I, I'd, I'd love to see the analysis of how you balance those two statements. Uh, that, that's got to be a bit of a trick some days because, uh, you know, the temptation is to is to drive it forward and move and keep everybody excited and, and, and that's higher growth, but also that controlled growth at the end. So power to you and, and a great job that uh, you guys have, you know, stayed around in a world for 12 years that uh, I, there's not a lot of other people that have stayed around the tech world for 12 years. So good for you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Pierre-Etienne. And next week on Inspiring Entrepreneurs, Andrew Pimentel from Group Powerstone will talk to us about the quality and customer service uh, behind their landscape design company, in-ground pools, dream backyards, and more. A reminder, you can subscribe to Inspiring Entrepreneurs as a podcast on iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite platform. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Dan. 
our media. Good talk.